Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money, I'm Glenn James and today we're unpacking fire, we're playing with fire and no it's not a music festival in the Caribbean, it is financial independence, retire early, it's a movement, it's a vibe, it's a way of life and it's Matt, our guest today. So Matt from the Aussie Fire Bug podcast, welcome to My Millennial Money. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Glenn. No worries, and thanks for having me on your podcast a little bit ago. That yeah. Was a lot of fun. Got I some, absolutely had a ball, mate. Yeah, we got some good feedback from people that listened to that podcast as well. So Absolutely. You know, it was a hit. So um, yeah, love to have you on again as well. Yeah, thank you. Now, before we go deep into this chat, just explain a little bit about what you do and why you started the Aussie Firebug blog. Sure. So... My name's Matt, um, as you introduced me before, and I am a country boy from Latrobe City, which is uh, regional Victoria, and um, I started Aussie Firebug, the blog and the podcast, back in 2015. Yeah, so we want to start with the the, the very beginning and how it all come about. Basically, I started full-time work at the end of 2011, start of 2012, graduated in November 2011, and... I was living a relatively normal lifestyle that you'd say, you know, I grew up playing country football, um, played way too much Call of Duty when I went to uni, all that good stuff. And I started full-time work and I remember the very, the first couple of weeks because I'd always known full-time work, it's, you know, roughly 38 hours, 48 hours a week. And that's just what everyone does. And you work till you're 60. If you're lucky, you get to retire then, hit your preservation age, get access to your super. And it wasn't until I actually started to do full-time work that it hit me that a hell of a lot of my life was going to going to be at this place called work and you know employment and at that point I was commuting 50 minutes each way so it was like nearly two hours out of my day commuting um, plus the 38, 38 hours a week and I just remember thinking wow this is like d- does everyone just do this for the next 40 years is this just what life is and I just remember being a bit exhausted which is um, you know, it wasn't even that hard of a job and, and I quite liked my job. It wasn't so much the, the job was, um, necessarily bad or anything like that. I was working in government it's actually quite the, the benefits are quite good and the pay was pretty good. It was just the time I felt, um, that was being taken away from me. And as I kept on going up in the corporate ladder, more responsibilities, a bit more stress, and I could just see where this was heading. And I'm like, there has to be a better way. Um, I just can't accept that this is, you know, what everyone does for the next 40 years. And, but the big, uh, the reason that I sort of went down and started searching for, you know, different answers and what, what is out there is really um, me and my partner want kids and we are getting married this year and hopefully kids are not too far away. But I could see it happening that if I did have kids in my 30s, which I'm, I'm 31 now, um, I would have to give a few things up in my life that I didn't want to give up. Maybe it's football, maybe it's going to the gym, you know, three times a week. It's just 
little activities. Do you mean football as in soccer, AFL or league? Uh, AFL. Okay. AFL. Never watched a game in my life. Oh, you're kidding me. Hmm. You're New South Wales boy, born and bred. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not a sports boy. Ah, uh, right, right. Yeah. No. Anyway, sorry. A- AFL, it's, it's AFL. So, yeah, no. yeah so I, um, I really wanted to have more time to spend with my kids and not give up the other pleasures I had in my life because I could just see my fellow colleagues that um, were becoming coordinators, becoming managers, and there was just a few things that they just they seemed to be a, a time poor, and I could see the writing on the wall from you know a very early in my career that this is just what ends up happening, and I didn't want it to happen to me, so I wanted to reclaim uh, the most precious resource that we all have, which is our time back, and that led me to a book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, by Robert. Kiyosaku, was it? Kiyosaki, yes. Kiyosaki, that's it. And that's where I come across the concept of financial independence. And it blew my mind when I, I think there was a passage or a sentence in that book that was something like, assets generate money. All you need to do is buy enough assets to generate enough money that you can choose whether or not you want to go to work. And I was like, it's so simple. It can't be that simple, can it? And it really was. And then I went through the whole path. I started actually with property investing because, you know, as every, as everyone knows, the two major religions in Australia, Christianity and real estate. And um, my parents were real estate investors. They still are. And you just get pushed down that that road um, unless you've got some someone that knows, you know, a bit about other asset classes. But I went down that road pretty hard and uh, I started reading Stephen McKnight's books and, you know, really got involved with the property investing movement and went to the seminars in Melbourne and everything. And then around about 2014 or 15, I stumbled across a blog called Mr. Money Moustache. And he, you could argue he is the father of the modern day fire movement. A lot of people say, you know, Vicky Robbins started the original concept um, back in the 90s, which is she had a very famous book, Your Money or Your Life. But to me, Mr. Money Moustache, and Pete is his name, he's a US blogger, actually from Canada, but um, lives in the States. He really invented the modern day fire movement. And when I read about his stuff, it's, it was basically like financial independence on steroids because what he was talking about wasn't, you know, set yourself up and maybe you can retire at 60. He was, he was a dude that legitimately reached financial independence at 30 and all the strategies that he was using and investing techniques were replicable and they weren't just a, you know, he's in a unique position. He's some investing genius or anything like that. Everything that he was talking about was legit and it really appealed to me and it appealed to, you know, hundreds of thousands of others. And, um, yeah, I just become obsessed with the movement, but there was nothing really going on in Australia. And I decided to blog me and my partner's journey to financial independence. And that's really what Aussie Firebug is all about. Love it. And are you financially independent now? No, I'm not. I'm still a few years away and, um, you know, we're working on it. I'd say we're, we're on the uh, downside of the hill. You know, we, we've, we're over halfway and you never like there's we, we plan to have children in the future. So there are a few things I don't know how much it's going to cost. And I'm only modeling for our current life now. Like this is a few few times people will say, um, are you factoring in kids? And as of right now, the our fire number is not, it's our current lifestyle. And I will the, the fire number for us is fluid, it will change. Um, so you know, whatever will be in the future, I'll just deal with it and we'll we'll readjust mm-hmm. as we go along. Love it. Well, everyone, buckle in, strap down, because that was an intro and a half to what you're going to get a dose of. 
and I'd hate to hear the long story. Mm. No. <laughs> That's all good. Let's have a chat about this fire stuff. Yeah, just let me know if I'm rambling on. I will. <laughs> So, Matt, you sent me a text message the other day and you said, I'm keen for the podcast, but I want to cover two things. So, we're going to want to cover these things first, straight away from the top. You said, one, five people don't want to work ever again. And two, we live a miserable life eating nothing but beans and rice so we just can be financially independent. So you really want to set the record straight. 100%. And I'm going to let you set the record straight. But this FIRE financial independence retire early movement, for those who are curious or new to the movement, how would you explain it to a 10-year-old? Good question. So what is... FIRE, Financial Independence, Retire Early. That is the uh, four words that make up the acronym. And I would say what FIRE is, is about reclaiming the best decades of your life and getting back the most important resource of all, which is time. What it's not about is not working, which is something you alluded to uh, just before. And I really want to I think it's the biggest misconception of the movement is that we're all trying to reach financial independence just so we can sit on a beach and sit pina coladas all day. And I guess before I go into that as well, mm. the financial independence part is pretty easy to explain. It's when you amass enough assets that are generating a passive income to fund your current lifestyle. Mm. So the financial independence part is pretty um, black and white. But it's the retire early part that always trips up um, a lot of people. But it's very intriguing because we spoke a little bit about it on my podcast, Mm -hmm. Glenn, the word retire. And I think Paula Pant also brought this up. Yeah. Without the word retire, I'm not too sure there would be a movement. Yeah, I I think it's funny. Like if you hate your life and your job, absolutely you want to retire. So it was created by someone who hates working. Really? What, fire or yeah, the- like the, the no, movement. No, I, I- See, this is where, this is where I want to, um, you know, get into the weeds yeah, a little and bit. Yeah, and I'm happy to, but it's like, you don't need to escape from something if you don't hate it. I, I agree, 100% agree. But you're just saying it's a, a higher ground for something to aim for. So, as long as you're on this speck of dirt flying around infinity, you don't have any- have-tos on your life. It's about freedom and getting your independence back because mm. it, the, the, the word or work in general, mm. I think a majority of the community, there is maybe, you know, that 1% of the community that does plan to reach financial, financial independence and just go on walks, play video games and never work a day in their life again. They're, I'm not saying that those people don't exist, but it is not the bulk of the community. Meaningful work is a staple for every human. I strongly believe that. And all most of the community, what they end up doing it, when they do reach financial independence is they do work, but it's meaningful work and it brings purpose to them or it improves the lives around them or, you know, they have, they get some meaning out of the work. And that to me is the retire early part. You're retiring from being a corporate drone, retiring from the rat race 
retiring from being a wage slave, trading your time for money, and you're going into a career of doing what you want to do because you're passionate about doing it. That's the difference and that's the the major part I wanted to clear up. Mm. It's not like we don't want to work because working's awesome, mm. but you need to have a passion for your work. See, it's funny, like I, you know, I, I've got criticism from, you know, hardcore fire people before about my, I guess, my way of seeing the world. And, you know, by definition, I'm living fire. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. But I think for me, it's like, I don't want to be part of some community. I want to do things my own way. So <laughs> it's like, absolutely. I totally get fire. I'm in the community. I'm in your Facebook group, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But for me, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't want, I don't want to have to do something because someone else said so. That's that's what it's all about. That's what that's the where we want to get to. Reaching mm. financial independence grants you that freedom, that mm. independence, and you gain all those decades. You gain all the golden years of your life yeah. back that society tells you you only can start living at sixty. Yeah, that's right, and this is why I tell people because I say that I retired from the workforce at age twenty five. Yep. So. I honestly have not quite unquote worked a day since. And I would encourage anyone in their 20s, you don't have to reclaim stuff that you've lost because you haven't lost it. So how can you start your career? Um, and Matt, I always say these four things. If you want to get a, the best shot you've got in life, don't get pregnant unplanned. Don't get someone else pregnant unplanned. Stay off drugs and keep out of jail. You can do those four things or not do those four things in your 20s. Mm. You will have the most ideal life if you're on purpose, if you've got intention. So it's kind of this like if you're under 30, there's nothing really to reclaim. But if you're listening to this and you're over 40 and you've been in that rat race and you like this idea of making a mindset change, I think this is where the FIRE community could really help. But – I'd pose a question to you, Glenn. Yeah. How many people do you think work because they love their job and they find purpose in their work as opposed to they trade their time for money? Oh, probably 30% of people. Trade, trade time No, trade no, time sorry, for money? 70% trade their time for money. See, I'd even say I would probably, I'd guesstimate it's overnight. Oh, probably, yeah, you're probably right. I'd say the bulk of people, and even that was me back yeah, because in the day. Honestly, even if you're self-employed, you know, you're still trading your time for money. Yeah. Where I'm fortunate enough, you know, to not really trade my time for money anymore. But you're doing something. Let me pose another question. Mm. Would you be doing this right now mm. if you didn't get paid for it? Um, probably, well, I, I see like, then this is it. I started this when I wasn't getting paid for it. That's what I mean. Uh, that's, that's the answer. You know, I was, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that you even hesitated there because. Well, I just wanted to know if you were setting a true wire. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Like uh, for, for me and I want to get this, you know, point across because I feel like uh, th- that the biggest misconception in the fire community was definitely the whole work thing. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I don't mind financial independence, but I, you know, I want to work. I like working. It's like, you can totally work. There's no one in the fire community saying that mm. you need to reach financial independence and then sit on a beach and sit pina coladas all day. Mm. No one in the fire community says that. Yeah, it's yeah. just the word. And do you know what? I sort of understand it because the word retire, you know, it has a certain connotation to it. And it is, I've even spoke about this on my podcast. It's probably not, the best word that accurately describes the movement. No. But do you know what? It's catchy and it's the acronym. So we just got to, we yeah, just got to right. live with it. It's, it's so funny. Like 
I probably don't monetize this podcast as well as what I could. Like we run ads and do all that stuff. And because I'm not desperate for money, quote unquote, it's, um, it's pretty fun. But to me, it's to the point. It's like, hey, if you're a brand and you want to come on my podcast, no, you can pay because I've spent all my time building up this audience yep. and I've now got a responsibility to ensure that this business keeps running and I pay staff. That is 100% agree with you. And that's yeah. almost like a, a totally different conversation. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, all the thought experiment is, and this gets posed a lot, and mm. we spend a lot of time thinking about this in the fire community. Mm. If money wasn't an issue, if, if somehow universal, universal basic income, you know, come around yeah. tomorrow, would you be doing what you're doing now? Mm. And I think the bulk of people out there listening would not be doing it. Yeah, 100%. Right? So that and that's what we we want to try to free up so you can explore and do what you want to do and that might be there might be some people listening that continues to work in their job and maybe scales the hours back and says my life's pretty good. Well then that's awesome. But mm. then you've got the freedom and choice to pivot and go down different ways and you have the financial security and backing mm. to make those risks because not everyone is you know, can, can do what you've done. You, you know, you said you, you quit um, the working life or the, you know, the corporate job at 24. That's awesome. Mm. But not everyone is built like that. That's right. And that's why I just want to use this podcast as an encouragement, mm-hmm. you know, no matter where you are in life. Like when I was a financial advisor, we'd have people come in and, you know, they'll tell their backstory. And it's, it's great to hear everyone's story to like where we're at. But for those out there, like if you're driving in Perth at the moment and you're 38 years old and you hate your job, you've got a family, things are tough. My encouragement to you right now is that's okay. Where to from here? Because when people come to see you with their story, Hmm. we can't change the past, but it's a where to from here. Absolutely. And that's why I think these conversations can be really encouraging around mindset. And I don't know if I ever told you, Matt, but- I actually had a rich dad mentor in my life. Really? Yep. I think we we, we started to explore it on 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 my Your pod, one? but yeah. you know, yeah. so I, when I was to... um, twenty or oh, twenty three and a half, twenty four, before I went and started my own business. Yep. Uh, Macca, who worked with me in the in the, he worked at the same company. He'd moved in from the country, and he basically mentored me for a year and changed my mindset. And the book Rich Puppy, Poor Puppy, um, the Spanish version. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, no, I have not heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'd read it. Mm. In my life, I had the Rich Dad mindset teaching me. Whoa. And if it wasn't for him, I would not be doing this right now today. That's the power of mentors. Totally. So I, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, what you've been through. It's a matter of a line in the sand what are we doing from here? And that's Agreed. what I always said to clients. I don't care that you're in debt. I don't care if you've spent all your money. From today, we are making one small change. And if that one small change for you listening is, I'm going to make a plan or talk to my spouse about doing my own thing or whatever that is, Yeah, I think we have to make a change. Absolutely. And we do have a heap of questions in the Facebook group that we're going to get to. Sure. So hang in there, kids. But Matt, I wanted to kind of, if we got back to these mechanics of fire. Sure. You know, the fire purists, and correct me if I'm wrong, just from a, a matter of fact, would say, hey, I live off 50 grand a year. 
Mm-hmm. So I might, for example, earn 80K, I might pay 20 grand in tax. That gives me 60 grand. I can save 10 grand a year yep. and I eat 50 grand a year. The fire purists would say I need to amass enough wealth mm. that gives me the option for that amass of wealth to spit out my living expenses. Correct. Forevermore. Amen. Correct. Yeah. You got it. So these are the hard questions that I've got for you. I'm looking at my life. I don't actually have them. <laughs> <laughs> so realistically, and this is where I I guess, and to be honest, this is why I like the mindset of the fire community. But if you go to the hardline, you know, extremists, fund, fundamentalist extremists, you get those in every community, oh, though. Absolutely, and, yeah. and this is why it's like, no, if you're a if you're a, a working family, yep, two kids, mortgage in the burbs, how the hell do you mass a million dollars when you are struggling to make ends meet? Because realistically, just basic bush maths, mm. if we need to live off 50 grand a year, earning 5%, not drawing down capital, mm. I need a freaking million dollar pot of gold. Yep. So this is where my problem, quote unquote, is with that extremist mm-hmm. is the maths doesn't lie. You can't pass on maths. If someone's earning 80 grand, they can't save enough within 20 years to a massive million dollars because they've got mortgage repayments, they've got this. Like, because there, there is a critical mass. I, I agree. There yeah, is a critical mass. Of living expenses. For sure, yes. And I would then say, well, forget trying to build a million dollars. It goes back to what I say. You need to change your mind and your frame of living to live on your own terms, life on your own terms, my loot thing. And just before I um, hand it to you, Matt, mm. if you said to somebody to achieve fire you need to save a million bucks. It's just not happening in their mind. But if you said there's a way to change your mindset, there's a way to get invested, there's a way to get strategic, you need to look at investing, I think that's a lot easier to swallow. Potentially. I think it's going to appeal to a small minority fire. It's We are, like I'm the first to admit, we are on the extreme side of personal finance, the you know the mm. the um, bubble of personal finance, we are at the extreme optimizers. We're on the you know complete end of the spectrum here. Mm. It is definitely not going to appeal to everyone, and I'm and I'm not trying to you know come on to your pod and, and say fire is great and everything like this. Oh, I'm you can. Just saying, okay. <laughs> well, I think it's great, <laughs> but I just want people to uh, know what it's about, what it is, and what it isn't, mm. and. When I read about it, it's just, it laid the framework down and it was something that was repeatable for, uh, I'd say first world countries. I'm not too sure how repeatable it is, you know, for um, third world countries and whatnot. But if you live in a first world country and you, if you want to retire early, and when I say early, it's pretty much anything under traditional age, under 60. You know, you, you want to retire in or reach financial independence in your 50s, 40s, 30s, and maybe 20s is very rare and you've got to have a lot of things, you know, going right to do that. But um, it's it's a replicable model and framework that most people can do if if they value certain things and, you know, we can get into into how to actually practically do it. And um, I'm not saying everyone can do it, but it is there for some people. That's right. And the people who I've met 
that have achieved quote unquote fire mm-hmm. have had banging salaries? I would say you are correct for the majority, but it's not it's it's not like you can't do it on a low to average salary because the fundamental principles behind the mathematics is income agnostic. So if someone is earning $80,000 and they have a 30% savings rate, they are going to retire the exact same time if someone's earning $300,000 and they also have a 30% savings rate. Yeah, so let's just have a look at this. So so if I do $60,000 net income, yep. even a 25% savings rate, that's 15 grand a year. Yep, your math sounds good. Yeah. So, if you said to somebody on 60 grand a year, you need to save 15 grand a year, most people would have a freaking stroke. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. So, but then this moves, I guess, if you want to move into the frugality part. That's right. We need to spend less yes. than the average bear to save 25 or 30% of our net take home. That's like, this all comes back to what do you want to do with your life? What is the most optimal path to get to freedom and to Mm. get you to reclaim your time back, right? So I would say like no BS and just real talk. If you're on an average salary or below average salary or low income earner, is fire possible? Technically, yes. Is it going to be bloody hard? Yeah. I'd probably be concentrating on other things if I'm a low income earner. Mm. I'd be trying to get um, a higher income and, you know, as you say, get a bit bigger shovel to shove snow on the snowball. Mm. Like that should be where your focus is. The spending side of it uh, is the most important because it's it has a double whammy effect mm. because if you spend less money, you obviously have more money to put into your portfolio and grow it mm. and that passive income stream compounds over time. That's awesome. But the double side effect is technically if you're spending less and still living a great life, you need a smaller snowball to sustain that lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. Like it's all relative. It is. And that's what I'm just saying. It's like earn 80 grand, net 60 even if we save the 30% of 18 grand a year, that's leaving you a net of $807 a week to live off. Look, is that possible? Some people could do well. Yeah, uh, some people can. I can't. Yeah, and that's fine. Like there's no mm. there's no hard and fast rules around this. Mm. It's just an art of the possible. It's a thought experiment to what is the quickest way to get to, get to financial and, independence. And this is where I say like even if I just do – Bush maths, we're yep. saving 18 grand a year yep. for 10 years, call it 200 grand with a bit of growth, right? Yep. yep. So we've got 200 grand outside of super. Will that last for the rest of our life? Well, it depends well, on how much you spend, but I would say no. Exactly. For most yeah, that's yeah. right. So I, I don't want to, and this is good chats, like, you know, we're not here to change the world or I'm fire agnostic. I probably and part of the fire movement and all that stuff, but I don't like being defined. You don't know me, Matt. Um, <laughs> it's it's not easy and that's why I'm more of a mindset because everything in personal finance, it goes down to psychology and how you're wired. Could right? not agree with you anymore. Where I'm like, no, I would just rather focus 
on doing what makes me happy, what pays well and affords me a life without any stress and save money along the way and do all that stuff. But do you know what, Glenn? That is one of the core fundamental principles of FIRE and it's often said that FIRE is a lifestyle movement or a philosophy at mm. how to live your life more than it is about money and investing. Yeah. Some people come to the community, the Facebook group, and they think these people that retire in their 50s, 40s, 30s, they must be investing geniuses. Mm. And little do they know, we actually don't know diddly squat usually about investing, but we've read enough finance books to know that the passive style index, uh, you know, investing the Vanguard funds is a decent way to get a relatively good um, yield on our investments. Mm. And we really focus, and this comes back to psychology and mindset, what can I spend my hard-earned dollars on that is going to bring the most happy, happiness in my life? Mm. That's what it boils down to. And that's why I say we're extreme optimizers because we look at life a bit different and we say, like society says you need X, Y, and Z. If you're going to get married, you need this. If you're you know, going, going to go on holidays, you need that. But people in the fire community have such low expenses because we look at all those expenses and say, am I really going to be happy if I purchase this? Maybe, mm. maybe not. It's, there's no rule against buying a new car every couple of years, but is that going to give me the best bang for my dollar? And a lot of people, and that's why we are relentless with our expenses and optimizing, and we get it down to such a level that someone that's lived a traditional life and you know buying stuff that the marketing machine tells them that they should buy, and they look at our spreadsheets for the year and they say, how the hell can you only spend $40,000, $50,000, $60,000 a year for a couple and still live a great life. And that that comes back to mindset and and happiness and what makes you the most happy. So I want to talk about, you know, and we touched on this when I was on your show about, um, you know, a lot of money people online where they'll share their pie chart of expenses, okay? Awesome. That's me. Do, knock yourself out. <laughs> uh, actually, have you got a blog with your current pie chart? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do my... Um, What's your website? Firebug? AussieFirebug.com. I mean, it's in my favorites. What am <laughs> I talking about? Um, so, I'm looking at your website. Yep. Okay, your net worth. Oh, wow, you're rich. So, you got 800 grand or 900. That is, yes. Including super though, so... And your house. Uh, no, we rent you rent. Actually, Sorry. at the moment we're- Weren't you buying a house? Or yeah, I yeah, fell through. Oh, no way. Devastating actually. But um, yeah, we're back at my parents at the moment. We just come back from London this year, but mm. we are looking to buy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at your blog. Yeah. Actually, while we do that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Okay, we're back and we've had a look at Matt's expenses. Do you put your income in here anywhere? I have the last two years I yeah, have. Sure. Um, so holiday and travel, rent, groceries, health and beauty, transport, food and drinks, presents, shopping, car, gym membership, household utilities, utilities, charity, makeup, pets, entertainment, wedding, hair, 
eBay. <laughs> Why is eBay's own category? Wouldn't um, that fall into? Anyway, probably. don't worry. Yeah. Uh, fine. I've, clean, I've cleaned that up a lot. The, the Cat, home, subscriptions, insurance, cat. footage, miscellaneous, accommodation, work, study and cost. So, yeah, this is really cool. And I like how you've got charity in there. Mm. Now, we talked on your podcast about I see – some people do these things and the goal is to amass as much wealth as possible for me and I need to get to that million dollars and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Where I'm of the view that I would rather slow my amassing down and be a giver sure. and support other people because it does two things. One, the world's not about freaking me and there's other people in need. And two, it helps me be a more balanced person, right? Because You also get joy out of it. Totally. It's a, yeah. So there's actually four types of givers, okay? And I've written this down so I can say it. The first type of giver is actually a non-giver. So I don't give any money away to charity. I don't support any causes. It's all about me, me, me. Like a volunteer or something? Or I'm talking just financially. Oh, okay, right. They just don't give at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you can't really put in your graph of expenses volunteering no. because you'd be adding time. Do you know what? That's quite like I think that's a – that's almost better than giving away your money if you volunteer your own time. Oh, if you talk to Peter Singer, um, he would say go and work for an hour and then give half of that away because uh, okay. you'll be able to save a child for $2 in Africa. Yeah. Anyway, um, the second type is a sporadic giver. So, yeah, I'll just, you know, not really planned. The next type is a planned giver. So every month I'm giving a certain amount to the charities of my choice. Yeah. And the fourth type is a planned and generous giver. So the planned giver, yes, I'll give sporadically. uh, I'll give every month and then if something comes up, I'll be extra generous and do that stuff. Yep. So that charity thing in your breakdown of spending, are you a sporadic giver or a planned giver? Do you have monthly donations that come out? No, I'd say I'm sporadic. Yeah. Yeah. So we've just got you at a month where you flick $300 away. Yep. So my whole thing is- for me personally, I'm a better person if I'm a planned giver and I consistently give every however much to however many charities. Yeah. And I just don't see that many planned and planned and generous givers in these online charts where people um, share their expenses. So for me, going back to that diagram you know, someone earning 60 grand has to save, quote unquote, has to, 18 grand to live off 42 grand a year. That'd be pretty gun shy to give $100 a month away. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'd be asking a lot. <laughs> That's right. So at what point do we say, well, I'm just going to do what I love, save what I can and be generous when I can. That, that sounds good. I don't think that's conflicting with the fire mentality yeah. at all though. Yeah. And is your view to become more of a planned and generous giver? Yes. Like, yes. Because if I said to you, Matt, you know, there's a charity over here, there's a benefit tonight, uh, it's a two grand buy-in for the table, come along, we'll have a lot of fun, you know, charity auction. Mm. Does that freak you out to, you know, give away two grand? It's not something I, I'll be honest with you, that yeah. I've done you yeah. know, up until this point in my life, mm. but- it is the giving away to charities is something that I plan to increase, you know, as we get, mm-hmm. as we continue this journey. And 
I've done um, some volunteer work, yeah. you know, at a captain's camp, ran a program through the footy club. And, you know, sometimes you don't know everyone's situation. I, I, I personally think that volunteering your own time, which is what a lot of people in the fire community tend to do because they have their time rich now, mm. they might not necessarily have as much disposable income as they had when they were working. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about those who haven't, quote unquote, achieved fire. Haven't? Yeah, or who are on their way. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah like, um, yeah, like it's a, gr- it's a good thing. Mm. I'd welcome and, and, and the only reason I kind of put that in perspective is realistically for you to give away two grand tonight to go to a charity ball with the benefit that, you know, you like the charity and all that. Yeah. Emotionally, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. But we step back and it's like 0.2% of your net worth. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> so, yeah. so, and it's not more yeah, to yeah. Um, to have a go at anyone, but it's just more to, because there's going to be a lot of fire people listening to this podcast and I'm going to piss a lot of people off talking about this, mm. but it's just more to bring awareness to, it's not all about you and amassing wealth. Slow down and help some people along the way. Sure. So, Amen to that. Yeah. So, and, and it was probably a bit of a tangent that we probably didn't need to go, but I always like talking about no, giving and generosity yeah. when primarily we are talking selfishly about I want to build as much money to keep for me so I've got more options in life. Yeah. No, I'm hearing what you're saying. That yeah. Definitely, like, I've come across those people as well. I try not to judge. Like they might be doing stuff behind the scenes that's very charitable. That I, that often I they're see. not. They're, often they're not. Like I just, you know. I just call it out. It's like, mate, you've got a million dollars. $50 ain't a big donation, you tight ass. Yeah. It's like when Je- Jeff um, Bezos donates like a, a two mil or something, five mil to a charity. He's mm. like, hold on. His net worth is $80 billion. Yeah, it's like, still a lot of money. What? Yeah. But, it's yeah. still a lot of money. I don't know. And this is it. Whatever, I, I'm just a guy with a podcast having a drink of water right now. So. <laughs> well, let's get into some listener questions. I do you want to finish any kind of housekeeping-y fire things? Beans and rice. All right, talk to me about I beans and rice. To, that was the other part of the, the two biggest misconceptions. So we covered the first one. Yeah. Um, it's not – we want to work. We want to do meaningful work though. It's not about not working. That's not what it's about. So I'm going to scream by here, you know uh, – People talk about fire. I like fire, but I don't like the not working part. You can work. No one's telling you not to work. Um, The other big one, misconception is somehow, and I blame the media a little bit for this because we spoke about extremists with any um, topic, any uh, community. There's always the extreme people. And these are the people that the newspapers and Channel 9 or, you know, whatever run stories on. They are the extreme Frugalists, the ones that are living on, you know, they might spend a hundred dollars for their family of five to eat over the month. It's like, how, what, like, are you kidding me? And even some, there are some people in the fire community that are like this that post their expenses for the quarter. And I'm, I'm blinking at it like, wow, like that is bare bones. You are scraping the barrel there. But it is not like that for the majority of people. Mm. It really isn't. Like, I've just come back from two years of traveling the world. I lived in London with my fiance for the last two years. COVID was a bit rough last year, but you know, we got through it and I feel like we live a kick-ass lifestyle, Mm. but we just, we optimize like the four main areas, which for me has always been about living expenses, uh, transport, food, and holidays. 
We don't go silly. They're the and ones. cars. Transport. I'd put that yeah, under sorry, transport. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you're sorry. Gonna, yeah. yeah. Um, if you're th- – those are the things that are going to move the needle, right? And I – like, man, i got a Samsung, Samsung smartwatch right now that I'm wearing. i got, you know, some brand name shoes. Like, do I look like someone you that is eating – titles, <laughs> capitalist, yeah. POS. It's completely unnecessary. But, you know, I bought it because I wanted to. Mm. It's not – I just want to – um, get this message across that not everyone is living in a tent eating rice and beans in the fire community. Yeah, but not everyone's got a household income of 180 grand. True. <laughs> and I just guess that. Uh, yeah, I was like, where did you pull 180 grand? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. Mm. But I just, the, the, the idea is that everyone's living on rice and beans. Now I'm living a great life. Now, is that a um, byproduct of our above average incomes. Yes, to a certain degree it is, Mm. but you can definitely, and this is, I guess, a major part of the um, ethos of fire is that you can live an amazing life that doesn't cost a lot of money. Yeah, That is really like, I want to make that crystal clear to people that if you choose where your hard earned dollars go and you optimize those big, uh, four big ticket items that I spoke about, it is not as um, hard as it originally seems to be at the very start. If you you know go through a year's worth of expenses and you start optimizing, you will find that it's a lot easier to reduce those expenses um, than it originally seemed. Yeah, I mean, I'm writing a book at the moment and one of the chapters, unless the publisher kills it, mm. will be called How to Get Rich. And I kind of unpack this, you know, how... One, I don't like the word rich. I like the word wealthy because I'm a bit bougie like that. Mm. But it's how to be relatively rich and everything's relative to something else. Correct. I mean, I grew up in Berkeley Vale. And I don't know what that is. It's a suburban <laughs> hamlet village like, right. you know, suburbia. Okay. Mod- like it's Australia, right? Yeah. Working class family. You can have two brand new cars on car loans like the neighbours mm-hmm. or you can have two cars that you own for 10 grand each. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about, Glenn. super, you are relatively rich. Absolutely. Especially, and we spoke about this on the pod, when you get off the island. Totally. You leave Australia, holy moly, do you, do you realise how wealthy you are? You've almost hit, if you get born in Australia. Yeah, geographical lottery. Exactly. That's what, that's. You're mm. picking up what I'm putting down, Glenn. Yeah, like that love is it. exactly what I'm talking about. Well, we've got we're gonna, gonna do some rapid fire answers. Sure, go. All right? Go. Uh when a savvy says, I don't know if Matt will be able to talk to this, but would love to hear about examples of fire where people are more than five or ten years post retirement, how they've kept busy or what work did they what worked or what didn't work? Yep. So fire haven't hasn't been around for that long. And I straight up don't know um, too many people personally that have been financially independent past five or 10 years. Like you've got the famous fire people, like the mad scientist is a US blogger. I met him in Scotland last year. And when he reached financial independence, he quit his corporate job. And um, he did, he actually worked it remotely for a bit there, but he has just released an album. So he was an aspiring musician, um, but he never, he used his job and lack of time to sort of make excuses to not pursue that career. And then he had no excuses when he reached financial independence. And now he's released an album and his goal is to, you know, tour the world and make music with like-minded people and just, you know, live his best life. 
Um, Mr. Money Mustache is the most famous, you know, fire person probably. He had a love of carpentry. He was a software developer by trade. He started making stuff for people for free. And then, you know, it got so popular that he commercialized it and, you know, started a business. Even myself, I'm not fully financially independent yet, but I've just started my own business doing freelance work to scratch that technology itch that I have. I mm. love, I, that's what gets me out of bed is to use technology to solve business related problems. And it really, the the world's your oyster, like the, the amount of things you can do once you've reached financial independence is just unlimited. So it's really, you know, as um, it's up to you what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, and you can see all these in the Facebook group, guys. Uh, Travis Ramsey says, how do you reconcile your newfound passion for travel and experiences with the regret he feels for missing out on those for so long because you were too focused on accumulating wealth? Yeah, great question. So I definitely, I was too hardcore at the start. And I think a, a few people suffer from that because it is so far away. The effects of compounding don't really start to kick in until the very end, like 70% along the journey, you really start to see the the compound interest, you know, start to throw out some serious numbers. So at the very start, I felt a bit helpless. Like I need to save every single dollar and mm. I was way too hardcore. And it's yeah. some, I don't like to use the word regret, but like there was a few things that I wouldn't have done. Yeah. And those like hardcore is like you did second year into fire. That was me. They're yeah. the ones I would like to, um, you know, poke and make hundred percent. And yeah. I would say if, if that's you and you think like maybe I'm doing it to, to like, maybe I'm, depriving myself of things that I enjoy in life, mm. I would say that you're doing fire wrong. Yep. You need to live your best. You need to live a great life mm. and then just be conscious of what, where your money goes. And I'm just kind of reading the questions that have the most uh, likes. Yeah. Um, a Grotus Infuser basically asks, is fire possible for very low income earners? Is the movement only for people with a, a fair amount of income? I mean, we kind of touched on we that. I, I guess my focus for a low income earner, it's probably- are you happy and content with that? Yeah. If the answer is yes, awesome. Can you optimize within that? Yes. Uh, if the answer is no, and you know, disability aside and all that stuff, uh, is there some help that you might be able to get from, you know, a community business group or you know who to, can help you start your own business or somewhere to help you? try and grow that income if that's what you want to do. That's what, well, I guess that's what, what I'm saying. saying. It's like a low income doesn't always have to be forever. Yep. And I know a lot of people even that have been on a disability, on a disability pension hmm. that have actually done different things to do in income. Like I had a client, they were uh, doing dog grooming and all this stuff. So I guess, yeah, we just want to pay homage to, you know, if you do have a lower income and it is for a period of time and it feels like it's forever and you don't want it to be forever, I'm probably not worrying about hardcore investing strategies and all that. Invest in yourself. Totally. That's yeah. what, yeah. T technically, I'd say to that question, it technically might be yes, but the no BS answer would be you probably want to focus on the income side of things and try to investing yourself is going to have way more bang for your buck. If you're in that low income, you know, study, do a course, do something else that is going to pay way more dividends mm -hmm. than putting it in a Vanguard uh, passive index ETF will. Yeah. Amy Liu says, uh, lots of the content online about fire is pretty US centric. I'd love to know the key differences to be able to make it work for Australian residents within Australia, legal and financial frameworks, i.e. like the cost of homes here. Yeah, so this one... Like the method is country agnostic. It, it, it the, the simple formula is 
save more than you earn and invest the surplus and you're going to get to financial independence eventually. You know, we can get into the weeds of franking credits and, you know, uh, the share market being more of that um, yield here in Australia than it is in the US. It's more of a capital gains play over there and they actually have the cash flow in property over there. Um, So that, you know, different asset classes for different countries, yeah, sure. But in terms of the fundamentals and the framework of fight, it's much the same. I guess the biggest difference would be our two-phase retirement system super. So, and there's a, there's, I've actually got a calculator on my website that calculates the, um, you know, optimal amount you need outside and inside super to hit your preservation age. But it's just a, it's sort of a guiding calculator. It's all fluid, nothing set in stone, but that would probably be the biggest difference would be super. when people, um, you know, are saving and they don't want to use super because they want to get to fire. That's, that's where I fall in, but- yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's fine. Given that there is a high probability that you won't be that person mm. who doesn't want to not work. I'm definitely working, yeah. Why not maximize super? Great question. Or at least go, you know, if you're saving, I'll make a number up. Yep. $1,000 a month in my fire portfolio. Yep. All right, that's outside of super. I know I'm not going to be not, not working. Mm-hmm. Would you go, I'm just going to hedge my bet and do 50% in super? You could. And do 50 and just hedge it a little bit, knowing that you you categorically won't be sitting on the beach doing nothing for 20 years? Yeah, no, look, it's a great question. Raging debate in the, the FIRE community. I, For me personally, I just want to reach financial independence outside of super because I don't want to have to have a snowball outside and then inside and draw down if I needed to draw down the snowball outside super to get me to my preservation age. And then I have my super snowball that is that I'm living off for the rest of my life. I just don't want to have to do that. Now, am I going to be paying a lot more tax doing it that way? Yes, absolutely I am. But that is just something I'm comfortable with. And it, the earlier you start, if you're on the road to financial independence super early, say if you start a trade at like 18, 19, the way the math works is you might need to save $900,000 outside of super to then bring you to your preservation age where your snowball will grow in a low tax environment that you can live off for the rest of your life. And you might only need, let's say, let's just say 1.25 is your complete financial independence number. So like, are you really going to save up 900000 and then start piling it into super or are you probably just going to save the extra uh, 350000 that it takes to get to your financial independence number. Me, I probably would just pay the extra tax and just do it outside. Mm-hmm. But for majority of people, especially if you're starting this journey um, in your 30s and onwards, it makes total sense to start utilizing that low tax environment and sal- salary sacrificing into super because the yeah the two phase equation um, works really well if you can grow that snowball inside super. Frank asks. How annoyed are you when people bring out the dead horses for another flogging like H200 versus VAS, uh, VDHG versus DHF, property versus shares? Uh, We'll take that as a comment. Um, Ryan McKay McKay says, do you necessarily have to retire to be part of FIRE? As in you've set yourself up to be financially independent, but your passion isn't travel. It may be to run your own business. So you might decide to start your own business, not because you need to, but because you want to. I mean- Hit the money on the head, mate. That that's, is that's what I'm doing. Well, that's like, me as well. Exactly. That's you. That's mm. I mean, every single person I've met that has gone down this fire journey works 
mm. in their passion. And usually, more often than not, they start a business or they do something. Are there the very rare people that, um, you know, donate their time to charities, nonprofit organizations, and never flip a dollar in for the rest of their life? Mm. Yes, there are those people, but extremely rare. 99% of people will make money. Ramulo says, just listen to you on the Aussie Firebug podcast. Great listening. You're welcome. <laughs> Jenny Lau says, do you, allo- do you allocate more towards defensive assets uh, when reaching fire uh, to m- maintain your wealth rather than grow assets during accumulation phase? I don't know. I think that's um, – if you're educated, Matt, and you know how markets work, I don't know if you'd want to get to age – I'll make it up – age 50 – have a million dollars to no, I want that bloody money to still work. Yeah. What's your view? Right now, it's a hundred percent shares. We have no bonds, um, no traditional defensive asset classes. All all our asset classes at the moment, like the the net worth is made up of just cash property and shares, and the shares are made up in the passive style ETFs. Will that change later on in life? Maybe. I'm not too sure. Right Who's now. Who's your super with? Uh vision. I'm waiting with bated breath for Vanguard to enter the game though, mm. but vision at the moment. Fair enough. I mean, we might, there's lots of in there and I hope that you've uh, learned a little bit today. Holly says how to reconcile own independence with the community, i.e. supporting aging parents missing out on experiences or time with people. I, I feel like financial independence enables that sort of stuff, mm. doesn't it? Mm. You have your freedom and your choice back. Totally. Yeah, this supporting aging parents, it's a delicate balance, which I don't know, it's probably a whole other episode mm. around do you have a responsibility or is it you want to? I would say you have a responsibility, but that's just me. Yeah. I'm in a very fortunate position though where my parents are financially independent mm. um, through property, so it's not something that, has come up for me, but I would if push come to shove for sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, but this is the thing. If you had the money, sure. Mm. If you don't have the money. It's a good point. Yeah. Yep. I mean, if you're struggling, yeah. you can't give your money away. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, and that's why it's just such a nuance. It's a, yeah, that'd be a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, Brett and Aaron Sams says, why? Yeah, sure, pay off all debt and invest, but what's the plan after you retire early? There's only so much recreational activities you can do. What's the next move? I think, you know, we've kind of spoke yep. to that, that it's it's not this linear movement and the name's wrong of the movement. The movement is basically just do life on your own terms. Exactly. <laughs> it It's freedom. It's getting the best decades of your life back mm. and choosing it, choosing your time, the most precious resource that we have, the way you want to spend mm. it. That's what it's about. Mm. No, I, I like, yeah, the retire part, the the word retire really trips up so many people and I understand. There's three things that you can only spend once, Matt. What's that? Money. You can only spend your money once. Every dollar you get, yep. you can only spend it once. Yep. Time. You can only spend your time once. Yep. The third thing, each breath can only spend that once. Is that, a, <laughs> is that an ancient Chinese proverb? Or? No, I just made all yes, that up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, we might leave it there. Been lots to cover. I hope that's encouraged you. I hope it's pissed you off enough to do something. 
please, if you like what we do, listen to our podcasts and leave a review, a nice review. So, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can check out Aussie Firebug podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, we can do some more together. Absolutely. In the near future. And uh, thank you, Matt from Aussie Firebug. No worries, mate. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.